This is the second installment of Carr's Cases Best Case Ever on EM Cases. Take it away, Dr. Carr. So, 20-year-old guy, he's brought into the Emerge by EMS. His chief complaint is seizures. And uh, this really, the story had gone back about 10 days. A week prior to seeing him in the emergency department, he has this episode where he has this facial twitching and maybe a seizure, and he's seen in a community hospital. And at that time, he gets blood work, he gets a CT, everything's normal, and he's sent home with EEG and neuro follow-up as an outpatient. And in the background of this patient is his roommate from university, died two weeks ago. So you can imagine where everyone's mind is. Roommate dies, acting strange, talks, 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 psych, psych, psych. So this guy comes into the eMERGE. He has another witness seizure. Now, a week ago, he's seen the community hospital. Now he comes to our hospital. He's got this seizure that lasted 30 seconds. And the seizure is really these episodes of twitching and facial twitching and maybe a little bit of shaking. But they're odd. They're not your... You know, this guy's seizing, we need you right now. That sort of seizing. They're just, is that a seizure? I don't know what that is. And he comes to Emerge 36.9, heart rate 94, blood pressure 146 over 81, uh, respirate 18, SATs 99 with a normal sugar. He's a completely healthy guy. No meds, no past medical history, no drugs of abuse. He's an A-plus student at a, a prestigious university. He's kind of has these twitches and they stop. And he's got this background of this talks kind of maybe a ton of something maybe you haven't so when you go to examine this guy he's drowsy his gcs is 13 um e3 v4 m6 cranial nerves are normal pupils are normal strength is normal his neck is supple there's no jolt toes are down going cerebellar testers like he examines completely normal you don't really know what to do with this guy you got this weird story so you cast a broad net you order CBC lights, extended lights. The resident ordered a thyroid test, your analysis. They did a, a talk screen because, you know, what is, is what are we missing here? Although I, I almost never do a talk screen. A talk screen was done. He had the regular talk stuff that we, we order from, Tylenol, aspirin, Osmos, gas, nothing. Everything's completely normal. He doesn't get CT'd again because he got CT'd a week ago and it was normal and it's a similar presentation and we have those results with us. You get called to the bedside about 10 minutes later that he starts to have these twitches and you get to see these twitches. They're these oral facial twitches and you give him two milligrams of lorazepam and it stops. 10 minutes later, you get called again and this time he's now a generalized tonic clonic and you've seen enough. You give him some lorazepam, some phenytonin and then some plastic and you, you intubate him. And you intubate this guy because he's in status. You start a propofol infusion and he goes to the ICU. But this guy stays on your mind and you follow his course in hospital. So in hospital, right after his intubation, he gets an LP because you were going to do it, but you didn't have time. And the LP shows seven white cells, no red cells. His glucose and protein are normal. And you send off, or the, the intensivist who did the LP sent off all the viral studies, HSV, 1 and 2, VZV, CMV, EBV, all normal. Okay. On the day after his intubation, he gets an MRI, which is essentially normal. He has an EEG, which shows some, some areas of seizures, but very nonspecific. And on day three, he's extubated and he's completely out there. He is like picking at the moon. He's, he's making these really funny movements with his arms and he's just making these gargling noises. And everyone's like, what is wrong with this guy? 
His MRI's good. His bloods are good. His LP. I mean, few whites. I don't know what to make. He gets seen by neurology and they say, this is not a seizure. He gets seen by psych. Maybe he's having pseudo seizures. And this is now day four or five. And he's got, he's starting to have these, what seemed like voluntary coriform movements in his right arms with these oral dyskinesias. And then on day 10, a second neurologist sees him. And uh, she says, I know what this guy has. And she gives him a dose of IVIG. She gives him a gram of methylpred. And she orders some fancy tests. And those fancy tests come back. And he's diagnosed with something called anti-NMDA receptor encephalitis. This was first described in 2005 and in young females, where it was felt to be a paraneoplastic phenomenon um, that is related to patients with ovarian teratomas. It sounds like a zebra, but I'm telling you, I'm pleading with you, it's really not. It's a disorder. It's a disorder of the youth. The mean age is 21. 80% are female, and about six to seven percent die, and about 80% have a good recovery in terms of ADLs and IADLs by a year and a half. And that the predictor of good recovery is early initiation of therapy. And what's really cool about this teratoma is, if you remember to your med school days, teratomas are those disgusting tumors that have teeth and hair and brain cells. And what happens is these teratomas have neuronal cells in them. And the brain kind of sees this neuronal cells elsewhere and it kind of cross reacts and creates an autoimmune reaction from being initiated by being exposed to the teratoma cells and starts destroying the subunit in the brain. And it is an incredible thing. It's an entity that has four clinical phases. The first phase is your prodrome where you have a viral prodrome. So like any other encephalitis, headaches, fever, URTI, no one's going to suspect this or pick this up at this point. The second phase is a psychotic seizure phase where these patients have difficulty concentrating, changes in behavior, they're paranoid, they're delusions, where you easily could see how some would go down the path of first presentation psychosis because you're a 21-year-old and you're acting crazy. And unlike the other encephalitis this is much more schizophrenoid in terms of your symptomatology you're 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 way off and you have delusions and whatnot you move on to an unresponsive phase where you become catatonic and have oral facial dyskinesias and coriform movements and then you move into a hyperkinetic phase where you have autonomic instability What's super fascinating this syndrome is that if you look at patients who are, there's something called the California Encephalitis Projects that looks at undiagnosed encephalitis. And what they said is this is four times more common than West Nile, HSV, and some of the other encephalitis that in med school were taught, if you suspect encephalitis, give a cyclovir. This is a much more uh, common etiology and uh, it's something that affects the young. And it's really scary. When you think about the patient presentation, it's someone who comes in with altered mental status, movement disorder, and maybe some autonomic changes. In your old kind of study phase, you're thinking a serotonin syndrome, a neuroleptic malignant syndrome, but those require a drug exposure, which these patients don't have. Unlike HSV, as I said, they're much more behavioral affected. And to, to hit this diagnosis, you need to send off either serum or more importantly, CSF studies for the anti-NMDA receptor subunit. Okay. So this is, this is a diagnosis that sounds totally like a zebra, but it's actually more common than HSV encephalitis, eh? 
do you take a subset of people who have uh, encephalitis NYD, they estimate that a, a large portion of these might be patients who've suffered from anti-NMDA receptor encephalitis. So this is something that is out there. There's a reporter named Susanna Cahallon, who's a 20, was a 24-year-old female. She was a New York Post writer who wrote a book called Brain on Fire, her month of madness, of what this did to her. And, you know, as I said earlier, this is something, when we suspect encephalitis, we always tell, you know, you have someone altered, they're acting weird. Do an LP, think about, apart from the ceftriaxone and vanco, think about giving acyclovir. What I want to tell people is you have a young person. They come in acting weird. They have no psych history. They have no psych family history. This happens over a course in a week, and it's not a drug-induced phase. Think about this disorder. Think about sending stuff off. And think about talking to your neurology colleagues, your in, your internal medicine or infectious disease colleagues, about whether this patient would be a good candidate for early IVIG and steroids. Remember, IVIG, apart from cost is a very innocuous medication. And we know that early initiation of therapy makes a big difference. This doesn't sound like an eMERGE diagnosis, but this is something you need to know. Because when you see that young person with encephalitis who's acting much more strange and you really don't get the psych flavor, it's gotta raise the red flags and you gotta alert your colleagues to do the right thing, to think about initiating IVIG. Great, so when you have a patient with encephalitis, you go through your algorithm, your CT, you do all your blood work. If that's all negative, you go on to LP, you send off for your usual stuff. And if you're at that point and you still don't have an answer, this is a diagnosis you want to think about. Add it to the list, especially in a young, healthy female, because 80% are women, 20% are under the age of 19. This is a young person's disorder. Young people acting weird, maybe a bit of movement disorder, maybe a bit of psych stuff. Think about this. Don't let it fly under the radar. Anti-NMDA receptor encephalitis. Coming soon to see you. Next time on EM Cases... We've got Dr. Walter Himmel, Dr. Jean-Pierre Champagne, and Nurse Anne Shook talking about effective patient communication, patient satisfaction, and patient-centered care. The content of this episode is something you won't find anywhere else, and it's changed my practice immensely. Don't forget, while you can get our Best Case Ever series from iTunes, all the main episodes are found at the website emcases, that's emergencymedicinecases.com. So until next time, take it easy.